CabanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey, Brian's like opening files because I guess we, I guess for set reviews we look things up, <laughs> uh, but not for other stuff. So since we were last together, which is a while now, I won uh, my pre-release. I, def- I won. I defeated everyone. I also, I also defeated everyone who was not a Grand Prix finalist. Okay, I defeated everyone. <laughs> no asterisks. And if I had played against a Grand Prix finalist, I probably would have defeated them. Did you see my deck? Your deck was insane. It was insane, right? Yeah. I know. I didn't even have the Kinjali Skywing in that screenshot because I didn't realize because that was my free like bonus card or oh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, how have I spilled coffee all over myself? That's weird. Isn't that weird? I mean, it spilled the wrong way. You were gesturing wildly about right. Kinjali Skywing. Well, as as it deserves. Yeah. Okay, that card is baller. Like you basically can't lose if you go like two drop Kinjali Skywing on the play yeah. limited. Like they're like, okay, I'm never blocking again. Andrew guys fly. This isn't fair. And I had four pious interdictions. Yeah. And by four, I mean if they have a flyer, I would pious interdict it. Or if they had a giant green creature, I'd pious interdict it. So basically, they would spend all their mana on their turn for me to draw two to gain two life and smash them for five. And um, the one the one big play was I got settled the wreckage when I had a big alpha strike, yeah. which you think would be like, oh man, Mike, you got blown out. And then I had ten mana in play because of this. It was a blowout, right? I had like a threaten. I threatened this guy. Uh, I used. This is gonna sound embarrassing. I used the ultimate on Huatli to make all of his guys not block. <laughs> Threatened his last guy. All right. Super hella alpha struck, but he had settled the wreckage. Uh, you know, counter struck, killed my Huatli, whatever. I said, I'm in horrible position, right? But I have 10 mana in play, and I'm like, oh, 10 mana is exactly enough for double, um, for a double unfriendly fire. <laughs> Kill you from 100 damage. It's pretty great. Yeah, that was my deck. Double yeah. unfriendly. So double Boros charm, quadruple chain to the rocks. My, Hold this uh, a second. Yeah. This is definitely, it's leaking upside down. It's not me. It's all right, all right. So my, my deck was uh, blue-green uh, merfolk. Yeah. Didn't quite have enough merfolk for it to be ideal, but yeah. it was super, like, super powerful, and it's completely informed most of my drafts. Yeah. Since then, where I've had a lot of... I've got, I think I went, like, uh, eight and one with blue-green merfolk, for just forcing blue-green merfolk nice. in drafts last night. Um, just this, you know, you just get to start doing stuff on turn one and boosting your guys and going wide. Explore is such a really interesting and powerful ability. I think a lot of those explore creatures are constructed playable. Yeah, it was the the, the archetype was, was really fun, and I had I had a lot of fun with the. I've been very highly drafting the blue Merfolk enchantment, the one that. Oh, the one we talked about. Yeah, the one we talked about. The, the weird. Okay, it's just abs- it's just kind of absurd. I mean, and limited. I I don't know where it'll be constructed, but boy, that card is super powerful. So, and I, the fact that they're hexproof is really meaningful. Sure. Especially when you're like able to put plus one plus one counters on things. Just want to go back to like a blue white deck we talked about in a couple episodes ago. Um, and well, we actually have some decks to, to, as a point of reference at this yeah. point, right? But so I actually want to say I've actually been testing a lot of blue white approach to the second sons. Yeah. And I think that I've come up with a novel solution to the format, uh, which I think is it's probably going to be good, right? So uh, the card is is it what's this white sun zenith white sun's avatar whatever it's called awakening sun's avatar right yeah eight casting cost seven seven um wrath of god for non-dinosaurs when it comes into play 
So I was looking at that card, which I was, I was always skeptical about, and I was just like, even in a dinosaur ramp deck, this is an absurd casting cost. Yeah. In, uh, among other things, it has triple white, yeah. right? So this isn't like you could Ulamog this in a green deck, right? This isn't a light splash. But this is like, I think, meant to be one of the defining mythic rares of the set. Therefore, somebody thought this should be a playable card. And I don't even think it gets there in like Naya. It doesn't make any sense to me. Sure. Okay. So I was just like, well, who's in the market for casting things that cost more than seven, right? <laughs> well, almost by definition, the approach to the second son's archetype needs to land a seven and then live two more turns or three more turns. Sure. Or even four more turns sometimes to cast another one. So they're actually literally in the market on curve for a card that could be eight or more in white. And it actually solves multiple problems because I think that the, the, the main boogeyman is going to be some sort of teamer energy deck or maybe Sultai energy deck right. now. Which it's did like, well in yeah, Dallas. Yeah, Sultai is like the deck that won the first Star City Open. Uh, and the problem there... Who won? Did Brennan win? I saw that he made top eight. He top eight but did not win. He okay. played uh, he played uh, God Pharaoh's Gift, I believe. Okay. Um, Esper. So the problem is that those decks... The Teamer deck brings in Spell Pierce, potentially, and Negate, potentially. The Soul Side deck has Negate, Spell Pierce, and Duress. Right. So if you're, like, trying to bridge Fumigates on them, you're in trouble. But guess what? Awakening <laughs> Sun's Avatar is a Fumigate that they can't Duress, can't Spell Pierce, and can't Negate. It's actually awesome. And it's so good. I, I played so many matches. I played until 5 a.m. Saturday morning. I was so hyped playing this deck. I just couldn't stop playing MTGO. And I got to the point where I was playing against like the the Anointed Procession tink, uh, tokens deck. Like in sideboard games, I have yet to bring in my Regal Caracals, which everyone has in their sideboard, but I always bring in all four of my um, uh, Authority of the Councils and then these dinosaur guys. And it brings their, their guys all come to play tap so they can't tap during, uh, block during, um, make and block during combat or anything, any kind of tricks. But the thing that's insane is the condition that it destroys non-dinosaur creatures is awesome for you. If you're in a situation where you have, like, have an advantage that you have a 7-7, seven, seven, but the advantage is starting to slip away because they're going wide, you cast your next one, it's a one-sided fumigate where you get in for 7 and then 14. It's, that's it's absurd for a deck, specifically for a deck, that wants to play this many turns and get this much mana into play which is different than most decks, right? So I don't think it's a great main deck card necessarily, but it is an insane sideboard card in, for specifically approach. I think it solves all of approach's problems. I think it's way better than Settle the Wreckage. Uh, but I'm, I haven't tried well, Settle the Wreckage I mean, and Constructed. Set, set, settle the Wreckage is filling a different, is, is plugging a different hole in the dam, right? Like, yeah, it's not quite on turn eight. Yeah, I mean, the decks that have like Three or four settle the wreckage and only two fumigates make no sense to me. I guess they're just playing off the fact that either if you're playing against mono red, the ability to just remove hazard and combat's probably pretty cool. And if they get a bunch of mountains in play, maybe you don't care. Well, and, that you've, much. and you've played against the red deck. There's sometimes where you have the fumigate in your hand and you're just dead. Well, yeah, it doesn't kill hazard either. So yeah. it's a. Um, but then separately. But even without hazard, I'm saying you just you just don't get to the turn where your land is in play untapped or you know yeah 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 you're just dead. Fair number of the decks just don't have enough basics that it really bothers you. Yeah, I think I don't know, but in my opinion so far, 
this freaking avatar is surprisingly so, unbelievably so, good. So you're, you're making an, uh, an abridgment to our previous discussion about white cards to say this is... Oh yeah, I have him on my sideboard very solidly. Uh, I'm really happy. Uh, and there's another card we haven't talked about yet. Maybe I'll talk about it later. But man, treasure map, don't sleep on that one. Order your set of treasure maps. I think this is going to be a cross, cross archetype sideboard state. It's like almost, I can't think of a better grinding card. And sure. the only downside I can think about it possibly is I've been siding it in against like black blue creature decks, like including Soul Tide. First of all, I've crushed every single one of these decks that are the kind that like won the won the the open. Yeah. Because like their sideboard strategy is based on spell piercing a fumigate or spell piercing an approach. And they like just can't I just kill them with my seven seven. Yeah. Which is like a very different experience. <laughs> They're like, all right, I have a seven seven attack you. Uh but I've I have gotten that guy hostage taken, <laughs> right? And then they can cast it, right? Yeah. But the worst thing is getting getting treasure map hostage taken is super annoying because uh, they, they get this, yeah. It, wait, doesn't it come back into play under your control? No, they can just cast it. Oh, they cast it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, no, I, in one match, I had my treasure map hostage taken. I immediately cast out his guy. He got rid of my cast out like later in the game. I don't remember how, removed it. Got his treasure map back. Uh, I'm sorry, got his hostage taker back. Got my subsequent treasure map ground me down but I mean that also hostage took my Awakening Sons avatar that game and I don't remember how I beat him but I still face planted him with 7-7s seven and right. gaining 7 and all of it it's been enough preamble we should talk I was about literally it. giving you time to open the file <laughs> so in case you were wondering that was the amount of time that Brian's LG tablet <laughs> required to find uh, Ixalan Red look man it was free and I want my money back <laughs> So, but here we are in Ixalan, and there are red cards only two weeks after our last podcast. <laughs> did, you, did you see that thing? Blake saw our our review of black cards and thought that's where we let off the set. He's like, "Oh, how interesting!" It's like, "No, no, Blake, we did we did white and blue first, but next time we should start in green. That way, we actually get to talk about that color." <laughs> oh, someday though, there's so many interesting lands from the flips. Yeah, maybe two months from now. Around the time the next set will come out, you'll hear about such cards as Search for Ascanta and Treasure Map. That was my uh, that was my preview card, but you might not my preview card, my uh, pre-release card. Which was Search for Ascanta. Nice, I got one in in my set. I, how sad is it I couldn't play with my Search for Ascanta? Yeah, I couldn't either. All I had to do was play the most busted red white yeah. beatdown deck ever. All right, so let's let's talk about cards here. Angrath's Marauders, five RR for a four four. If a sorcery would control, if sorcery control would deal damage to a Permanent or player, it deals double that damage to permanent or player instead. It's a human pirate. So it's a 4-4 four, for four, 7 with quite the double damage ability. Yeah. Do you see this being played in limited or constructed? Uh, I've certainly wanted to play it in limited. Yeah. Like, the weird thing about this format is, as fast as it can be, there are no mana sinks. And not that it's just having a 7 drops of mana sink, but, like, you, you, you just find yourself with, like, a lot of mana in play and needing something to do. Um, having a pirate is always good. It's eight on the O, though. Yeah. Uh, I played a red-white damage dealing deck in the pre-release, and this was in my sideboard. Yeah. I did not yeah. play this yeah. rare creature. I yeah. did not think it was good enough you know, for you, limited. You know, you can't stuff. spell pierce this and construct it. No. Uh, <laughs> even against Settle the Wreckage, I was like, uh, I don't care. If I have 100 <laughs> mana in play, I don't really need this. 
Uh, bonded Horncrest, 3R for a 5-5, five five. it's a dinosaur. Bonded Horncrest can't attack or block alone. So this is Jizam Jin-sized. So it's a 5-5 five five for 4 with kind of the Mog Flunkies drawback. Yeah. So Mog Flunkies took Ben Rubin to the World Championship Finals. You're about to go to the World Championship. Yeah. Will Ben Rubin make the Finals again this year? No. He's in the Hall of Fame. I know he is, but he's not going to make the Finals of the World Championship. If we time travel to 1998... If he was qualified, I would. You would pick him. I would. I would. I would. I would pick him just for. Yeah. What about if shelter were legal in the format? Oh, then I pick me. Yeah, then you pick you. Uh, so this is a five-five mog flunkies for four. Um, I'm having a hard time thinking. It can't block either. If it no. could block, yeah. I think I'd be awesome. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think so. Uh, Brazen Buccaneers. Even for limited, you wouldn't play that guy. Uh, I play. I've played. He's, he's all right. I play in a limited. Big man. Like, there's like, if you're playing, it's like blue, white, or green, white, doesn't just destroy them. Yeah. No, he's, I mean, he's huge. I mean, unless they have four pious interdictions, like, or, you, like or, you do. Or a number of, like, you know, bounce spells where you get to really screw someone up. Oh, yeah. Then he's like a hazard at that yeah. Because he's a, but he can't compete with Rowdy Crew or Hazard in yeah. Constructed. Uh, Brazen Buccaneers, 3R for a 2 2 with haste. When Brazen Buccaneers enters the battlefield, it explores. Uh, it's a human pirate. I know you like Explore a lot for Constructed. Yeah. I don't imagine you like it at four. So the options here are 3-3 three, three, Scry, Haste for four. That's not bad. Or 2-2 two, two, Draw card, Haste for four. That's not good. So 3-3 yeah. three, three, Scry, Haste is actually close to... It's not good enough. That's really close to good enough, right? Yeah. Hazard is only five... And then what's his toughness? 3,000 for yeah. four? <laughs> Five 3,000 um, for four with many other abilities, but also drawbacks. I think in a world of Hazard, this is never going to be good enough. Yeah, no. Um, but in, I think that there were previous standards where you would consider playing this. Yeah, I, I certainly have been very happy with this, sort of at the near the top of my curve in uh, a lot of pirate decks. I like this. I think it's pretty cool, but I don't think it's good enough for, for 60 card decks. All right. All right, Mike. You love a Searing Blaze. I do. You love an avatar. I love a Searing Blaze. And you love an avatar, which we've just established. I love Korra. How about Burning Sun's avatar? 3RRR for a dinosaur avatar 6-6 six, six. when it enters the battlefield. Three damage to target opponent and three damage to up to one target creature. So this is my most controversial card in my own imagination around this set. I really want to love this card. This is It's only a rare, right? Not a mythic yeah. rare. But it's a 6-6 six, six for 6 in red. They're really trying to make this one of the flashy cards, right? Even though it's not a mythic. It's comparable to Rorix Bladewing. Yeah. It's got triple R and 6 power. It's comparable to Inferno Titan because it's a 6-6 six, six for 6 with uh, that really Inferno Titan-esque ability. I mean, let's be honest. This is not an Inferno Titan. No. For present standard, I would ask you this question. Would you rather have this or a Combustible Gear Hulk? I guess I don't care if this dies to a braid, but... Yeah, but would you rather have this or a combustible gear hog? I'm not sure. Um, the fact that you're not sure, cross-reference that with combustible gear hog is an unplayable card. <laughs> <laughs> Start with... If, if, if I had asked you, would you rather have this or, like, uh, I don't know... I was about to say Thalia's Lancers. That's like a pretty good card. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather have this or like just name a random unplayable yeah, card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that you're debating it, the card is unplayable, right? So is it? Is this have no place? I don't think so. It seems really powerful to me sometimes. Like if I could reanimate a bunch of them at once, I would want to do that. <laughs> but like 
think about this for a second. Like, even if you were playing God Pharaoh's Gift, this is worse than Angel of Invention. Like, wouldn't you rather right. have Angel of Invention? Right. Or it's, and worse than than Glory uh, Glorybringer. Well, it's six, right? It's a big, yeah. It's but a I'm saying, game. but even reanimated, right? Yeah. So I think that this guy, not 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 high on my list. How about Captain Lannery Storm? 2R for a 2-2 legendary creature. Human pirate. It's a rare. Has haste, so 2-2 for 3 haste. Some precedent for that being in the playable range. Whenever uh, Captain Lannery Storm attacks, create a colorless treasure artifact token with, you know, you know what treasure tokens do at this point. And whenever you sacrifice a treasure, Captain Lannery Storm gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. This is probably my favorite card in the entire set. Um, so, on its face... 2R for a 2-2 haste puts it in a similar space as like Sugata Lancer which might not be good enough to play right now yeah. but it's not the only thing that this card does because it makes a treasure that you can specifically sacrifice this treasure for a plus 1 plus 0 yeah. it's already comparable to an Oncroc Crasher right? you can also just sack that treasure for a magma you know yeah, a magma so spray and still get the same it's even better than that you could sacrifice it for black and cast a fatal push right which also gives you the revolt on the fatal push so you right. could you could punch upwards of captain lannery storm um or you can stockpile treasures you know if you have a treasure map or some other you know loves treasure strategy uh, this might be my favorite card in the set i think this is an outstanding constructed card um one of the things i like most about it is like turn three captain lannery storm treasure attack just take two Untapped player, fourth land, sacrifice the treasure, Glorybringer, is, I think, a super intuitive play pattern. Um, and, like, all this stuff with the one, one casting cost um, removal is right there. Uh, acceleration into Glorybringer, acceleration into, you just miss your land drop, hit your Chandra, or your Hazard or whatever, on, or not, maybe not Hazard, like, yeah. Rowdy Crew on four, all doables. Uh, I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, this is a card that may, maybe won't see a ton of play until some of the tools in red start rotating out. I mean, I think this card is... It's not better than a non-crop crasher for two reasons. First of all, a non-crop crasher is not, is not legendary, so being legendary is inferior to being just like a regular dude, um, unless you're a Saoirse Vegeta and the year is 2005. Uh, and then separately, on-crop crasher has that other ability, you know? So... Uh, but I, it is comparable offensively. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I like. I mean, I've, I've happily first picked this card multiple times. So Captain Lannery Storm. Yeah, I could see myself first picking it in cube. Oh yeah. Um, Captivating crew three R for a four three human pirate, also a rare, um, with a pretty interesting ability. Three R gain control of target creature and opponent controls until end of turn. It has haste, etc. Yeah, yeah. So it has like a has like it a basically has threat on a stick. 4-3 for four. I mean, actually, what it has is, is Ray of Command on a stick, right? It's not threatened because... Oh, no, it says you can all use it as a sorcery. Sorry. So, 4-3 four, for 4. Super powerful ability. Uh, I think, like, if there's, like, a green-white dinosaurs deck, it probably hates this card. Yeah. I think most other decks don't care about this card very much. Uh, it is well within Lightning Strike slash Abrade range slash even fatal push range uh for its casting cost most you know some of the time sure. at least sure. uh absurd ability against certain opponents i think it doesn't really get out of hand until you have eight plus mana so maybe this is a tool of like green red ramp um i think it will be i think if you want to make the minimum bar will this deck this card make top eight of a star city open or higher event in deck or sideboard it will uh okay. if the bar is 
anything past that, I think it's tough. Uh, my pick for most stupid limited card in the format is uh, the next one, Charging Monstrosaur. It is uh, a reality smasher at common for limited. Uh, uncommon, sorry. It's 4R for a 5-5 five, five, Trample Haste. This is my pick for most underrated constructed card. Well, I mean, Reality Smasher was, I mean, obviously the difficulty of killing a, a Reality Smasher without losing card economy, with poor card economy, was, was a big part of it. But, I mean, really, that card just hit and hit hard. So, I mean, the fact that I played cards like Chain to the Rocks and Modern now, yeah, Reality Smasher is part of the calculus that you use to get there. Uh, I do think that um, I was like, why would you feel like this you card is you were really angry. It's a tough one because there, the unless there's a red white straight red white dinosaurs deck that plans to get to five because I th I can see a red white dinosaurs deck that's just like you know twos and threes stop yeah 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 you know that's one thing but if there's one that plans to get to five I think this would have a chance if there's a red green one unfortunately. Uh, there's some competition once you get to green that makes life difficult for charging a mantra store. Sure. Also, even in the haste department, like everybody's going to have haste uh, depending on, on which dinosaurs we're talking about. But the card in the abstract is really, really pretty good. I, I, I mean, but you know, we've seen like vehicles decks and even red decks go to like this mid-range strategy after sideboarding sometimes. I could see I could see this coming out of the sideboard in some red decks as just like an over-the-top finisher. Would you prefer this to Glorybringer in the present day? Possibly. I could see some times where I might. It's I think it's tough because I think this races a Glorybringer successfully. Yeah. Because a Glorybringer can't even take it down with his ability, you know, or it needs a little help. I think that's a tough question. Um, Unlike Glorybringer, I don't really imagine like a blue deck ever playing this. Like right. you could easily imagine a blue yeah, deck. Yeah, like, yeah. All right, I'm in the market for a Glorybringer right now. If blue deck's not like I'm in the market for a random five-five, like that's just not a thing they're ever going to say. Uh, so I don't know, but I think this card is probably pretty good. Yeah. I just don't know where it's going to be. I think like I think it's going to be in a sideboard. Yeah. Yeah. A red sideboard. A red sideboard. Yeah. All right. Um, Demolish is a reprint. 3R, destroy target artifact or land. Super fringe constructed quality card. I mean, you need to be scraping the bottom of the barrel for it to be constructed quality, but we have hit that bottom before. <laughs> uh, dinosaur Stampede, 2R for an uncommon. It's an instant. Attacking creatures get plus two until end of turn. Dinosaurs you control gain trample until end of turn. Uh, hard for me to imagine this being a constructed quality card. Even in a dinosaur go wide deck, Right. kind of don't want this effect. Trumpet Blasts haven't really done it in no. Constructed. Like, you need to have, like, a more... Like, you need to have, like, a big effect, like, plus three, plus three, you know, something like that. Just not there. I, I This is a card I think is going to actually see... Could see play across multiple formats, which is Dual Shot, like, as a sideboard card. I mean, uh, instant Dual Shot deals one damage to each of up to two target creatures. We've, we've seen this ability. People are willing to pay for this at sorcery speed. Like, to be instant... I mean, you don't get the option of hitting a two, but in certain matchups where you want to hit, you know, take down two elves or, you know, take down two whatevers, two, you know, this is this card seems great. I think that the tactics around dual shot are going to be interesting. Like, when do you... When are you willing to not be greedy with it? That's the thing. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I really need to... Oh, damn it, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> why, did, why did I wait on that dual shot? Damn it. 
Um, but do you, do you agree that this is a card that's going to see some I think constructive it play? I think I think it's more likely to see big format constructive play than small format. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying this, you know, this kills Delver. It kills stupid, uh, you know, it kills what's-her-name. I had to pay two to do it, but... What's-her-name? You know, Thalia? Thalia. I mean, I actually like this where it kills, like, a... Like, a... An Ink Moth Nexus and yeah, that's uh, also awesome. And uh, what's the what's the lifelink guy for for flying with a V? Vile, what's his name? The flying. Oh sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Screw that guy. Yeah, but yeah, this card. Yeah, this card also isn't limited to like non flyers or flyers. Yeah. I think I, it could be. I think yeah, I think I think we might see that card. Uh, Fathom Fathom Fleet Firebrand, two two for one R. It's a human pirate common, and it has one R fire breathing, so you can keep pumping it. Wow, man. It, there are so many standards where this would be one of the best cards. Like, compare, compare this to, like, Iron Claw Orcs. Right? <laughs> compare this even to, like, Firebrand Rangers. It's so much better than Firebrand Ranger. Yeah. Right? It's so much better than... What's Price's Goblin? Uh, R122 Camp Block. Goblin Soldier, is that the name of yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's so much better than, like, all these cards that have, like, top-aided Pro Tours. Right. Um, but I think, like... We're just too, we are too Earthshaker Kenra, too Carry Zev deep into standard for this to be playable. Like, compare that to Carry Zev, man. Carry Zev turns on Legion's Landing. Like, think about that, yeah. right? In one card. Jesus. One card, now, Legion's Landing in, flip. What if you could figure out a way to trump the other red dicks with Fiery Cannonade? Uh, 2R, instant, Fiery Cannonade deals two damage to each non pirate creature. So it's an instant. It's an instant, So yeah. it's kind of like a Kozilek's return with no Eldrazi buyback, yeah, but yeah. only helps your team. Yeah. Man, I I don't know. I don't. Th I think this is too fancy. Really? You don't think this card will get played? Like, if there's any... I guess there's all kinds of decks that I just wanted a Kozilek's return with no with no buyback, right? Right, yeah. I mean, people play playing Tendrils, right? Like. Yeah, I guess it's awesome. It just seems too fancy to me. Like I mean, like I just feel like the one time that I have like Awakening Sun's Avatar in my hand and my opponent just remember, like remember lands when, a charging monster. Storm. Remember when we were talking about Lannery, Captain Lannery Storm a little yeah. while ago? Doesn't kill Captain Lannery Storm. Oh man, Sign she me still up. gets to get in there. I love it now. You know, um, of course this is a playable card. Yeah, yeah. it's fancy though. <laughs> I just want to point out <laughs> too much flavor. Uh, Fire Shrine Keeper. R for a 1-1. One, one. Uh, we've talked about these creatures all over the place. Creature Elemental, Menace, 7-R, Tap, Sacrifice, Fire, Shrine, Keeper. It deals 3 damage to each of up to 2 target creatures. Um, you know, we talked about these things being compa comparable to, like, really bad versions of the Invokers. I'm calling them Outvokers. Um, but what's really surprised me about these cards is that people have been, certainly in the Grixis colors, have been playing them in Limited. Because you're going to get there? Not just because you're going to get there, but because also, like, for, for just additional raid triggers, just, like, looking to have oh. a one-drop. And also, there are no mana six in the format, and sometimes you actually do get there on them. Yeah, like, especially in the pirate colors, you just have yeah. a bunch of treasures. Yeah, but the blue one and the black one, especially, I've seen people playing the green one, too. I mean, the red one and the black one, not the blue. I haven't really seen anyone play the blue one yet, but, you know, basically just looking for ways to trigger raids so that your, you know, your shipwreck looter on turn two digs you for a card. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying this one in 60s. No, 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 no. Uh, fire Cannon Blast. 1RR. Fire Cannon Blast deals 3 damage to target creature. To sorcery. Uh, raid, it deals 6 instead. Uh, I have this in my limited deck. Yeah, and it um, was great. 
I know I didn't cast it very many times. Yeah. It's because I was too busy killing my opponent. Yeah. All I could do is kill a creature. Yeah. The thing that's weird about this, if you have to fight a big creature, you have to attack first. So you're losing a guy. Yeah. So oftentimes, if they're just going to block with the their big guy, you didn't even need the double on sure, it. Sure, sure. So, it's pretty sweet. Obviously pretty sweet with evasion. Yeah, I think this card is, like, not good enough for Constructed. Speaking of not good enough for Constructed, Frenzied Raptor. Three mana, uh, two and R for a 4-2 Dinosaur. That's it. Rawr. Just italics. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Headstrong Brute. Two R for a 3-3 three, three Orc Pirate that can't block. It gains Menace uh, as long as you control another pirate. Card's been awesome for me in Limited. Um... I don't, I'm trying to imagine the pirate deck that wants this. <laughs> Maybe. I don't think so, though. Yeah. Uh, hijack. This is Threaten. Threaten, yeah. Uh, it costs one RR. It's just Threaten. Nothing else. Gain control of target. Art you can also get artifacts. I think it's card's okay. I think I always think that Threatens are generally underrated and constructed. Like, every single Threaten, I think, is slightly underrated and constructed. Yeah. So I think this is also underrated. I think the ability to gain artifacts is probably pretty cool. Only because in present standard, that means you can get a vehicle. Sure. So you can like get a vehicle. It has haste. You can like you can get like a pretty substantial vehicle. Like if you got like a, like a you know the, the sky sovereign yeah, or something yeah. like that, that might be significant. There's it also, also untaps it, right? Yeah, it does. There's also makeshift munitions in this format, which is one sack an artifact or a creature to deal one point of damage to. You know, it's basically like a, a more expensive goblin bombardment. Much more expensive goblin. But bombardment. yeah, you know. so I I I do have my eye out on um, kind of maybe a threatened. Phyrexian, I'm mean, sorry, Phyre uh, like Nantuko Husk type deck. Um, What's the Nantuko Husk? We don't have one. Oh, okay. There's like Bantu. Yeah. Right? So, like, Bantu can only attack. Can Bantu eat? Like, there's a Yeheni. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of awesome threatens. Like, Carries of Expertise is basically the best threaten of all time. Sure. Right? So, there's some threatens. A little light on the. Because if, if there were like. Two Nantuko husks. Sure. I mean, yeah, Yehani is uh, a legitimate Nantuko husk, I mean, but she doesn't do anything. You have, you do have makeshift munitions. It's pretty expensive. Yeah, I mean, it costs one to activate. Yeah. I mean, you know. But uh, you're now the price tag on this is now four. Yeah. Right. Sure. So. Uh, lightning strike. Uh, probably the best card in the set, I guess. <laughs> approximately. I mean, it's already all over all the top decks, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a card that is going to be a minimum two of, possibly four of, and minimum second most popular, possibly most popular deck. It's the kind of card that, like, various control decks will just sideboard. This is an efficient removal card. Maybe they wouldn't do it over a braid these days. It's possible, though. Uh, I mean, that, that flexibility of creature or player is so amazing. I just remember the old story of uh, when I put Volcanic Hammer and Patrick Chapin's uh, Corlash kind of Grixis deck it's like, well, we just need a card that helps us, gives us percentage points against Scab Clan Mauler out of sideboarding. I'm like, Volcanic Hammer is the right card. And then we were at Regionals, and uh, Paul Jordan was playing that deck, and he cast a Compulsive Research, turned over two Volcanic Hammers, looked at his opponent's life, so he's like, works, six ya. <laughs> Off label, W. Yeah, so obviously, obviously yeah, card needs staple. no more belaboring staple uh, lightning rig crew 2r for an 05 goblin pirate tap lightning crew uh lightning rig crew deals one damage to each opponent and then much like lobber crew from a previous set uh in this case though whenever you cast a pirate spell untap lightning rig crew. this isn't too bad like it's a. Uh, have loved this card in limited in the pirate decks it's been just 
awesome. I kind of don't even need to get the untap ability, just like an 05 But wall. you get it. Like an 05 wall where you just can be pinging someone. I mean, there are things, that, there, I, there are tons of decks over history that have been like, hey, I'll give you an 05 wall for three. Also, it can kill your opponent given 20 turns. Yeah. They can't block it, right? Like, I, I, I think you'd have some buyers. <laughs> Imagine this card in Ice Age sealed. <laughs> Imagine this card in Ixalan sealed. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Uh, so here's Makeshift Munitions. This is a card I was talking to you yeah. about. Uh, this card's been surprisingly good for me in Limited. That's a good ability. It's it's like not it, Goblin Lord. Yeah, the thing that's really interesting about it is, like, you know, obviously sacrificing a creature is always for like to deal one point of damage yeah. and super exciting. But when, there's, like, a lot of games where you're treasure flooded, and this is sacrifice an artifact or creature to do a point of damage. And so you get to cash in, like, all your, like, kind of, like, extra treasure that's laying around, put it in the cannon, and shoot something Are with it. Are you saying that you have, like, quite a bit of treasure equity? I do. I do. And then have. you're... Cashing um, in your treasure equity. Yeah, I, I've I've liked this card a lot. It's actually closed out a lot of um, matches for me in pirates. Yeah, I think it's obviously if you had a token deck, maybe that would be awesome. sure. Yeah, I mean again, it's not it's not free to use, so you know there's there's some, some real limits on what it can do. But I, I gotta tell you also, there's been times where I've had like you know six treasure out or something, and you know no mana on other mana untapped, and my opponent did something. I'm like, all right, well. Sack a treasure to sack a treasure, sack a treasure to sack a treasure, sack a treasure to sack a treasure, and do three to that in response to you trying to put an enchantment on it or do something. Mm. So, you know, it's pretty I, cool. I recently flipped mm. a Mike. treasure map on my upkeep, got all the mana from the, flipped the, the, to, get, to get the land, made three treasures, and then, like, smashed uh, uh, Approach to the Second Sun. For exactsies, which I felt really good about, it got spell pierced. Should have been a, should have been an avatar. Uh, Nest robber, one R. I had two a, of this in my limited deck. For a two, how do, how do you think that went? Yeah. <laughs> this had Kinjali Sky win. Yeah. Two one haste for two. So this is a card that. This would have been an all star in certainly, previous formats. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like there are there are times where you would have like been like. Oh my God! You know, you'd have walked by Dave Price, and who'd have been just like I'm making a sure. tapping gesture because he was pretending that he was casting Nest Rate. Nest I'm not sure that it's not right to just play for this for Earthshaker Kenra. <laughs> well, you're just like, all right, this isn't as good as Earthshaker Kenra. I agree. Take two, <laughs> idiot. Right? Like it's a, like Earth, nobody plays Earthshaker Kenra for the flashback, right? It's not Earthshaker Kenra. I agree, but like, isn't this a great card? It's a fine card, right? That's good. I mean, like, if this were red-green, right, for a 2-2 two, two haste, Steve Satan would just play it in a Pro Tour. <laughs> True or false? True. True. Um, but, yeah, and also Dinosaur Synergy, and you talked about that idea of, like, a, a very aggressive red-white dinosaur deck. Oh, I think red-white dinosaurs would definitely want to play this. Yeah. But I just think the only problem I have with red-white dinosaurs is, like, why am I playing red-white dinosaurs instead of anything else I can think instead of? Instead of red, mono-red. Yeah, like, or, like... Red Hello, white planes. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Odepec Huntmaster. One R for a one-two dinosaur spells you cast cost one less to cast, and then tap target dinosaur gains haste until end of turn. So, cost reducer and turn reducer. Like it's so powerful. Like everything about this card is insane. Yet I don't ever want to play it. I mean, we had Bloodlust Insider. I mean, obviously, it doesn't Bloodlust Insider doesn't reduce costs, but like we had Bloodlust Insider, and nobody played that in any of their red yeah, decks, like, did is, they? Isn't this way better than a Mana Elf, like for two? 
Like, there's all kinds of mana elves people play for two. Oh, sure. Sure. On turn three, you can play... Uh, Whatever. Two, two, you yeah. can play a, 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 a two mana and a three mana creature. Or you could just play, like, three... Like, just three haste dinosaurs on turn sure. three if you, like... You know, sure. given the right draw, right? But it's it's still like I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Uh, how about rampaging Verosidon? Two R for a three three menace. Uh, players can't gain life. And then whenever another creature enters the battlefield, rampaging Verosidon deals one damage to that creature's controller. It's gonna take me a while to make sure I don't miss the triggers on this. This seems like a pretty good card in red white dinosaurs. Yeah. I think like I'm not sure that just other the top of your curve. <laughs> yeah, I don't see what other aggro decks would want it, but like also it's just like I think it's non-life gain ability is not that not that robust because it's just gonna get abraded or struck. Sure. So like it's uh I think that there's a, a limitation on that. But like three three for three with like fourteen different abilities yeah. in red. And menace I mean menace being one of those is a solid menace ability. Is solid, yeah. Like this is it's, this thing has like an untap expected value probably like five or something. It's pretty good. That's almost like it's more than two cards probably worth of value. Yeah. You know, for three mana. Um so you, you, you could see this finding a home in the red white dinosaur. Oh yeah, I, I could see this being I mean, I could also see this being played in like the sideboard of a modern red deck. Right. Right? Like you're just like, alright, I'm just gonna play this against your Martyr of Sands deck. And I understand that you can pad the exile it, but why don't you do that? Right? <laughs> like why don't you do that? When then we'll just see what's gonna happen, because if you don't, you're gonna be in trouble. Uh, Raptor Hatchling, one R for a one-one uh, dinosaur. It's an uncommon. It has enrage, and whenever it's dealt damage, it, you create a three-three green dinosaur creature token with trample. Um, the kind of the kind of shenanigans like Satan would have had with this card. Oh yeah, I can I can imagine. Um, I don't know. I think this card is not as good as it looks. Yeah, as as good as you think it is right now, beloved Canadian listener. Yeah, I think it's a little less good than that. I've been pretty happy with this card in in draft. But certainly. in draft, creatures mostly die from creature combat. Yes. In constructed... Or damage combat. <laughs> yeah, but in constructed, creatures mostly die from getting fatal pushed. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah, absolutely. You can't sacrifice this for profit. Like, if you had, for example, a greater Gargadon suspended, yeah. you couldn't get a bonus off of yep. this. So it's not as good as it looks. Right. But... And it also, it does, it's never better than it looks, right? So maybe if you had, like, a castle of some sort, right? But you're afraid of the rats behind us? <laughs> The, the teeming nest of rats that is just rat rattling around behind us. Are you, it's just rat rat hatchling behind us. Ah. All right. So anyway, uh, so it's just not. It's never better than it looks, right? Right, right. Or if you have a castle and then you have like a bunch of like ping my own stuff <laughs> abilities, but that's just not real. Yeah. No. Oh, so you took us to the bird shit sanctuary. What? what is, literally, look around. I've you never seen no so much bird shit. This is where Brian just took. There are no rats. There's more. I'm not. You immediately go to where there's rats. All right, let's go over there. Let's go near the fountain. Anyway. All right. Anyway, I think this card possibly could be constructive quality. It's very much like, like uh, a lambhold pacifist, right? Where you could just bring it in, you just play it. And then, like, it's a good defender. Oh, man, if you could ever have hit it off of, like, some sort of, like, collected company type action, like, yeah. drop it in the middle of combat. And then yeah, it's dinosaur. super effective, right? So you're, like, get your block in. Maybe you get a block in for profit, right? Like, can you yeah. imagine blocking, like, an Earthshaker Kenner with it? Yeah. That's tough. That's tough to do. Earthshaker Kenner has a sweet ability, right? 
<laughs> and then getting getting the three three, yeah. that's all good, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like that would make the cut in a in a in a collected company that come on, but still, if you can imagine that, it's uh, that's when it might be cool. I think it's like very Lambold pacifisty. Beyond that, it's just like I said, it's way worse than it looks. Never better than it looks. All right. So speaking of cards that are throwbacks to cards from an earlier day, Repeating Barrage. One RR for a sorcery, it's a rare. It, <coughs> repeating Barrage deals three damage to target creature or player, so yep. you're interested, it's not, it's not limited. Uh, and then it's Raid, three RR, return Repeating Barrage from your graveyard to your hand. Activate this ability only if you attack with a creature this turn. So it's a super limited Hammer of Bogardon. Yes. You have to attack first. Yes. Um, it's super like super restrictive as to when you can buy it back because of that. Sure. So like if you're just buying back a hammer, you're buying buying back typically on upkeep because that's when you can buy it back. Yeah. And then you know one of the things I dislike about this card a lot is like counter hammer. Maybe the only way to win was hammer bogger. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. You got to like eleven mana or something, and you ground them out three points at a time. That that's that's how a real man yeah. won a game I, back I think, in 1997. I think, I think this is more of a you know, cast it two and a half times in a game. Yeah, you're, it's never going to be better than that, right? Like, or very rarely, I should say, better than that. Uh, because if you're getting that many attacks in, it's a weird situation that you would not kill your opponent, right? Or be killed on the on the on the the crackback. I generally dislike this card. I think it might see some play early on before people realize how bad it is. Sure. It's like, like, I just, there's so many cards that deal three that I would rather have than this. There are so many cards that generate card advantage that I would rather have than this, all in red. Like, right. I would rather have Vance's Blasting Cannons than this. I would rather have, which costs more mana on the front side and no mana on the back side. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Um, and I would rather have uh, Lightning Strike than this. I'd rather have a Braid than this. I'd rather have most creatures than this. Um, where, where do you, where would you... Need, if this was like four, are you suddenly interested at four? The buyback at four? No, no, or the damage output at four. Same card, damage output at four. Well, then it would be insane. Okay. It's two full cards at four. Okay, but I'm just, I'm just trying like to get I can, Like, I like mean, you're, you're painting this card as being like an unplayable almost. But there's tons of things that cost three. Sure. Or that deal three, rather. Like a Lightning Strike and a Braid are both hyper-flexible, cost less Absolutely. mana. And, but the thing is like... You're like, all right, I'm paying an extra sorcery slash, you know, additional casting cost investment for the buyback on the backside. But, like, how realistic is that? Are you going to eat somebody? Are you going to hold this so you can eat them? Like, that's not going to happen, right? Like, are you are you imagining some situation where you have, like, uh, 19 mana in play so that you can, like, get an attack in and then swing this and then raid it twice, right? Like... Like that's oh that's weird, right? That's I'm not gonna happen. I'm just imagining a scenario where you're just in like a, a late game two decks that have just been attritioning, and you're like, oh look, I drew a Bowmat Courier, Bowmat Courier attack, grow this back. Yeah, I think like that. It's not that this card is so bad. It's that if I want a damage source that deals three, there are already too many abrades and lightning strikes that they're even not even getting played. You can't play them all. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then if I want a card advantage source. There are a ton of cards that I could play that generate card advantage more consistently than this that cost less mana. But, that, poss but possibly not in mono red. Yeah, in mono red. I think. I, I don't think this card's very good. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, like, think about how glowingly I talk about a random explore common. It's hard for and me. To get, how, it's hard for me to get past the idea of like hammer Bogarton, even with a more restrictive clause. But you, you're the kind of hammer Bogarton who tries to keep an idiot busy, right? How many non-deadly insect creatures were in your deck? Very few, I don't remember. Zero, right? And you were only deadly insecting off of like the the barb sextant, right? Sure. Okay. This is not your memory of childhood. Yes, right? I know, I know, I know, I know. Alright. Uh moving on. Rigging runner. R for a 1-1 goblin pirate with first strike, and then it has raid. Uh, it enters a battlefield with a 1-1 one, one, uh, counter on it if you attack the creature this turn. I don't remember if I cut this from my limited deck or not. We played two copies. I was playing two copies in my constructed red deck. Uh, they were decidedly mediocre. Okay. It is not. It was like. It's weird because like you kind of don't want to play it on turn one, which makes it like, why do I have this one drop in my yeah, deck yeah, yeah, if yeah, I don't want to play it on turn one? And then like even when you raid with it, it's not like you won the lottery, right? right. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Oh, I have a card that like at any other casting cost I wouldn't play. Right. Like, I literally would not play this at any other casting cost than R, and it only good half the time. Um, like I said, I only played two copies. Probably first man out every time I reach for the 15. <laughs> it's not good. Or maybe it's not bad enough to not play, Right. but it's not good. Uh, what about Ryle? R for a sorcery. Ryle deals one damage to a target creature you control. So obviously this is an enrage enabler. Yeah. Uh, that creature gains trample until end of turn. Draw a card. I mean, I think that the the Mondo combo is drawing two cards, right? You put this on the GG to Fernum Jin Dinosaur, then yeah. you draw two cards. I don't know. I think it's super cute looking. Yeah, but you, do, you, do you see some scenario where you ever play this? I, I think some maniac will play this, and I think that I could lose to that maniac. Okay. And I think that if this is good, I'll find something else that's good. Because <laughs> it doesn't really... Like, I just have no interest in, like, being in a hard situation in a tournament, looking at the top of my deck and being like, just be a spell, just be a spell. And I peel a rile. Okay? <laughs> like, you're like, I guess I asked for it. Right? Like, I just... I don't... It's just too cute for me. Yeah. Uh, a card you've mentioned multiple times already is Rowdy Crew. 2RR for 3-3... Three, three. Uh, mythic rare human pirate it's trample and when it enters the battlefield draw three cards and discard two cards at random if two cards that share a card type are discarded this way put two plus one plus one counters on rowdy crew so the range on rowdy crew is rr for a three three trample draw a card to rr for four mana for uh five mana tramp i'm sorry five five trample for four um draw a card Right. So that's the range. Uh, it has passive ability to set up reanimation type stuff or like drawing your temple type stuff if that's relevant yeah, for you really and constructed. Or just getting your graveyard to seven cards to if you're maybe searching for a mysterious land. Yeah. So um, I think this card is outstanding. I think that it's so good it might replace Hazret in some decks. Um, yeah, it's better than Hazard a lot of the time. Hazard is only an outstanding threat against other mono red decks and blue red, right? So people don't really realize Hazard's range. Uh, remember, it was legal and standard for quite some time before mono red was the most popular deck, and nobody played it. It's really good against other mono red decks. It's really good against blue red control decks. It's pretty mediocre against any red deck that I'm sorry, any control deck that's not 
blue-red. Like if you're like black-blue and you have like the Scarab God to block or you have Vraska's Contempt now, which is RFG's gains two life. If you have, you know, cast out or even some bounce spells, like Hazard is full on only okay. Right. And he's not bad, but like being only okay at four mana with like the restriction of like basically pitching your grip is, that's a big ask if you're not putting somebody away. It's awesome against blue red, which if it sticks, they're dead, right? There's so, such trouble typically. Did, uh, did you see this in any of the deck lists from this past weekend? I did not. I don't believe so. I don't think this is better in a straight mono red deck that's based on haste, yeah. right? So like, really, if you don't want all your guys to be hasting, it's one thing. But if you're, like, more value-based, uh, you know, if you're the kind of person who's like, hey, do I want a Chandra here? If you're the kind of person who is maybe playing with God Pharaoh's Gift, this is a great card in God Pharaoh's Gift. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, and... Pretty like, also pretty pretty great to like keep your engine rolling too. This is just a very good card in, in any kind of attrition fight. Like oh. if you're playing against like black green. I really like this in the is it versions of of God Pharaoh's gift. Of God Pharaoh's gift, but yeah. Imagine you're just playing against a regular black green deck, right? And you just like play this and it's just three three draw card for four. That's not that bad, right? And it already is like it's in the range of <clears throat> being better than their winding constrictor. I'm sorry, than their then they're walking ballista at the same casting cost. And it's big enough to like just rumble with like a winding constrictor, which is obviously less mana, or, or a Rishkar Pima Renegade, which is less mana, but you drew a card. Right. But then on the high end of the range, like it's 5-5 five, five trample for four draw a card. Like, that's, like, imagine a card that was and just- so, And so to draw two, for it to be a 5-5, five, five, you have to discard two creatures or right, two, two lands. Things, or, Two sorceries. I, two sorceries yeah. I don't think that it's so common that it's a 5-5, five, five, but imagine a 5-5 five, five draw card for four. Like, isn't that like a dumb card? Yeah. That's dumb, right? Like, so this card is a dumb card half the time, and it's still okay. Like, 3-3 three, three draw card for four, probably improve your hand. Like, imagine you don't have a card in hand, right? When you cast this, it's your yeah. last card. Your hand is now infinity times better than it was a second ago. Right. And you have a guy. Like, it's different. Yeah, no, I love this card. I think it's very good. Uh, Rummaging Goblin, two and an R for a one-one uh, Goblin Rogue. Discard a card, draw a card. It's a reprint, right? Yeah. Or... I mean, if this were R one, it probably wouldn't be good enough. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite cards in the set. I don't know if it'll ever be any good, but Star of Extinction. Flavor win, right? Five RR for a sorcery. Destroy target land. Star of Extinction deals twenty damage to each creature in each Planeswalker. You know, I know some people have been playing this in like uh, a mono red Tron deck online already, but you know, they're probably not better than a lot of the other cards I could be playing well, in the spot. If you were playing this in standard at seven, I think I'd rather have a 2020 than like the deal 20 to everything. Yeah. yeah. But like, I, I don't know, it's a sweeper. Like, what do you, what do you, what's your expectation for a sweeper for seven mana? Like six damage to everything? It's way more damage than that. And right. you get a land. It's not bad. Well, plus it also hits uh, Planeswalkers. Yeah. So it's, like it clears. It's super okay, right? right? It's like yeah. not the best thing ever. Right. But I just spent like the first half of this podcast talking about a more expensive thing. This is very spell piercible. Yeah. Very, very spell piercible. Uh, Stormfleet Arsonist, three R for a four four orc pirate raid. When Stormfleet Arsonist enters the battlefield, if you attack with a creature this turn, target opponent sacrifices a permanent. Sort of a harkens back to the Rishidan foot pads and cut purses of of yesterday's pirates. Yeah, garbage. Yeah. 
So were they. <laughs> Despite my love for them. Toilet Papel. Um, let's see, where was I? Where'd he go? Uh, Stormfleet Pyromancer, 4R for a 3-2. Uh, if you attacked with a creature this turn, it deals 2 damage to target creature or player. Yeah, so it's five casting costs for garbage. Yeah, well, yeah. Suncrowned Hunters, 4RR for a 5-4 uh, dinosaur. When uh, Suncrowned Hunters is dealt damage, deals three damage to target opponent. Uh, how do you feel about this Unlimited? Uh, it's fine. I haven't, you know what? My dinosaur decks in Limited haven't been red. Yeah. They've kind of been, or they've, they've maybe splashed a little red for like a removal spell or two, but really they've just been kind of like green, blue, something. So I, I haven't really, but this card would be fine. Didn't make my deck. Yeah. I did not play it in my limited deck. Sunbird's Invocation. People are hella people are excited about this. Super excited about. 5R for an enchantment. Now, whenever you cast a spell from, the, from your hand, reveal the top X cards of your library where X is that spell's converted mana cost. You may cast a card revealed that way with converted mana cost X or less without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So let's assume that you untap with this in play. Yeah. Because this is a tough ask already. Yeah, yeah. Right? What are you really doing, right? Like, if you cast a sleight of hand, for example, I guess if you cast a, a Serum Visions, you can put a one on top of your deck. That's gas, right? You get a free card. What 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 happens if you uh, what if you cast approach the second sun? How does that work? Then you could cast another approach the second sun if it were on top of your deck already. Within within seven cards. Yeah. Is that what you want to do? I don't know. That's certainly what people have been talking about doing. I mean, like, all right, is that better than just the way people have been approaching so far? I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to think, like, I would, I've been trying to speculate, like, a red-white kind of removal deck, like, red-white Planeswalkers or removal that had Approach to Second Sons like the sideboard. Should I sideboard both of these cards? Like, <laughs> like I, is it just, it's just instants and sorceries, right? Like, if I cast a Gideon with this, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything, right? No, it's whenever you cast a spell. A spell? Yeah, okay. a creature. So you cast your Dinosaur Wrath and you get some other card. You get another Dinosaur Wrath. All right. I think that this card is not good. Yeah, I think it's pretty expensive and way too cute. Uh, sure Strike. One R for an instant. Target creature gets plus three, plus zero, and gains first strike until end of turn. Great combat strike and limited. We're not going to... Left it in my sideboard. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. I mean, uh, my deck was dumb, right? Yeah. Like, like I mean, I think that a lot of, uh, oftentimes you'll play some of these cards that I that I was just like, nope, my sealed deck is way too good for this. Yeah. Swashbuckling? Swashbuckling is how I like to fence. Uh, whenever I see this card, I think about to, for a while, you know, I used to be a tournament organizer. Yeah. Uh, I was running Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments for a while. And uh, we had, it was our first Yu-Gi-Oh pre-release. We had no idea what we were going to expect. I was running it at Neutral Ground, even though I wasn't, didn't know Neutral Ground anymore. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it was, the place was just, right? Like, just. How was that business? That was a good business? That was a good business. Hundreds and hundreds of kids showed up. Place is just, like, there's no room. Yeah. We're turning people away. 26th Street, there's, there's there's 26 Street. Oh, Street my Street. God. It is just packed. And, like, we're just, like, way over, we're overwhelmed by yeah, the turnout. Yeah. And then at some point in the day, some guy comes up to me. I'm at the front desk. Yeah. And he's 
got like a scabbard and a sword. Yeah. And he's got some bandana wrapped around his head. And he looks at me and he's like, swashbuckling? And I'm like, what? what? Did you have like an emergency button that made the bat signal go up? I'm like, wait, excuse me? And he's like, swashbuckling. I'm like, and now I'm kind of like stammering. Yeah. And he's like, swashbuckling. I'm here for the swashbuckling RPG group that was on the meetup page. Oh, boy. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> Walk the plank. <laughs> Get you walk the plank. Uh, Thrash of Raptors. Uh, 3R for a 3-3 dinosaur. As long as you control another dinosaur, Thrash of Raptors is plus 2, plus 0, and has trample. So it's a 5-3 trampler for 4 if you have another dinosaur. Man, that's a lot of asterisks. Yeah. Uh, Tillinali's Knight. 1R for a 2-2. Two, two. Uh, whenever Tillinali's Knight attacks, if you control a dinosaur... Again, we're asking a lot of you. Tenali's knight gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. I think so it taxes at 3-3, three, three, which I is pretty good. Super constructible, I think, in yeah. with Dinosaurs. Don't you think? Yeah. You just, like, rando just have this on turn two and then play Kinjali Skywing on turn three, like, in for three. I would totally bin for this card, I think. Uh, card I really like, I don't know if it's any good or not, is uh, Tillinali's Skin Shifter. 2R for an 0-1 haste. Do we know who Tillinali is? I, I don't I don't <clears> think, I don't know. I, I certainly don't. Okay. Uh, whenever Telenali Skin Shifter attacks, it becomes a copy of another target non-legendary attacking creature until end of turn. Wow, is that not playable? I mean, it's been pretty sweet and limited. Yeah, like, because if you have anything, it just yeah. gets to be better. Yeah, yeah. But it starts off so bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not gonna, not gonna see play. I mean, maybe it'll be like some sort of, like, Karmic Guide Kiki Jiki one-shot one kill deck. Oh. Like, maybe. Ooh. Yeah. Get some blight steel in there or something. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is yet, but yeah. Uh Trove of Temptation. Three R for an enchantment. Each opponent must attack you or a uh, planeswalker you control with at least one creature each combat if able. These don't stack, by the way. Yeah. So if you have multiples of these in play, they still only have to attack with and one. So it's creature. kind of a siren's call-ish. But they only have to attack with yep. one creature. Uh at the beginning of your end step, create a colorless treasure artifact token. So I think that the... Just kind of like Awakening Zone-ish. It's kind of like a Gideon Jura. An Awakening Zone. Yeah. For less mana. More uh, mana than the Awakening Zone. Uh, and less blocking. But, on the other hand, just a steady stream of treasures is like makes you in an unlosable situation in some games. So, like... I can totally imagine creating a schema where this is a... <laughs> like a useful part of like a how you win yeah you know and like and it will be frustrating to lose to somebody who has this kind of dog shit deck <laughs> but it doesn't make it any less unbeatable right <laughs> right like imagine that you combine this with like the black enchantment that if you have 10 treasures you win sure like what if your deck was like those two cards a bunch of other treasure makers and removal and nothing else and like maybe you have like Guess I'll find out tonight. Yeah. <laughs> like imagine you have, have like guess. I'll just build like, it. You have like gifted Aetherborn in your deck, and they always have to attack, and they're attacking into a death touch, right? Like it's it's not out of the question that this horrible, horrible card <laughs> is like actually pretty good. I, I would like to see people's trove of temptation deck lists. Um, if anyone is listening and has an idea for how to build this. I have a hard time believing they're going to be anything I'd ever want to do. Yeah. But, like, it's just one of those decks just, like, I have, I want nothing. Like, do you remember, like, there was a deck called The Trap? 
remember it was a combo deck that required two turns to go off so like <laughs> people didn't like it but like it was still a good deck you right. know like and I, I can just imagine like you just have all these treasure makers and removal cards and you're just like I cannot believe I'm gonna lose to this garbage trove of temptation thing but you know I don't know who said it first but if you just have 10 spare mana which is like what these treasures do like you just like say set up this thing where like i'm bouncing this i'm like troving this it, it hits on your first turn right like right. you don't have to untap yeah, for yeah, it no, no. you get it immediately right yeah. you know you've got like one or two guys that make treasures like you like random removal that's making no treasures. one's ever spell piercing you that's actually a good point right it's setting you up for metallic rebukes it's like so not nearly as bad as it seems <laughs> it like it was like I think, like, your reaction will be, I, I hope, cannot I hope, believe I'm losing to this. I hope Trove of Temptation puts that on it, the cover of its book. Yeah? It's so not nearly as bad as it seems. So Michael J. Florence. I just remember when Dark Depths came out, and people were like, oh, this is too expensive, this card is garbage. I was just like, you're wrong, you're going to lose to this card, this card's pretty unbeatable, you just don't know the context yet. Right. Right? Like, and look at Dark Depths. It's been the best deck, a different best deck. And even if you're not talking about Hexmage decks, it's like two or three different standout legacy decks yeah. now are winning with Dark Depths. It's just the context. The, like make, and I was just like, I, I went back and looked at my Cold Snap review because I was just like, I'm pretty sure I said you were going to lose to this card. I think this card's actually quite good, right? And like, I feel the same way about Trove of Temptation. Like, it's not obviously good. But like, just imagine. Oh, I can I can imagine situation. I can imagine some red white control deck where you're just like building up mana, and then at some point you're also just like PS demon fire you, right? Look, there's like, so many things that could happen, right? And the thing is, the Gideon Jura part is not insignificant. Like, what if you? No, if you have if you have something that you're gonna ram your creatures into, you know that's that's very. Uh, that becomes much more appealing. Like you can like you can really get your opponent behind. Like, you clean up the board, you play something, and then they have to attack into it. Yeah. Yeah, the question is, what is that thing that they're attacking into? I don't know, probably something like a... I mean, I like what you said, Gifted Etherborn, or... It'd be great, you know? Which always either punches up, or if they're just sending a small thing and you're gaining life and eating something that could potentially block, it's... That is so not bad, right? It's just, like, full-on great. The only thing that is bad is like if you're combining this with like Gideon of the Trials or something or like they just attack with a thing that can't they can't damage you or something that's annoying right um interesting I'm gonna I'm gonna try to build the, I'm like I to, think it's just define, the defining the context is different than whether the card is good yeah uh, unfriendly fire 4R for unfriendly fire deals 4 damage target creature player as an instant I mean this card is outstanding it's 4 damage for 5 which is basically a fireball for for five yeah. at on, instant speed at instant speed uh not constructed quality only because we have that effect at like two mana <laughs> <laughs> but man it's a great limited card don't be afraid to take it three or above uh it's really like the effect is awesome right it's too expensive for constructed in most cases uh willie goblin willie edel's goblin yeah rr for a one one willie goblin enters the battlefield create a and i know it's wily goblin yeah. uh creates a colorless treasure token this card's outstanding also uh, yeah, you like this? I think it's awesome. You just you just like anything where you're just jumping the the fact that this is uh, essentially an elf. Turn two, play this, block your awesome thing, untap Chandra, or uh, t- like turn whatever Chandra 
add RR so you gain man, uh, so you gain loyalty. Play this, gain a treasure. Like these are both excellent plays. Yeah. I think the fact that you play this and then jump to fours, uh, treasure for. I think that the whole economics of one casting cost removal spells based around treasures is it's just it's unexplored territory right now it's gonna be a thing i think that the current decks out there are underrating the efficacy of metallic rebukes cards like that like so many decks that could benefit from this further i think that a lot of decks are underrating the capacity to be like five color like when 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 i qualified with five color mono blue dragons all the spells were blue just the dragons were were not blue uh, like we, I think we had no non-blue drag, non-blue non-dragon cards. We, our mana base was built such that you could cast dragons of any color, then it, like emphasize blue because all of your backbone spells were blue. I think treasures offer a similar situation where you can do all kinds of crazy stuff because you have access to any color. And we can't underrate treasure victory conditions. Right. Artifacts. So here, think about this, right? Imagine the synergy between treasure pr production and uh, either like artifacts matter buffs or improvise, right? So what if you're improvising with this, right? So you're like, play this. Now I have an improvised tool and later in the game it can be. Also just kind of, just an interesting thing I'm just thinking about with, with treasure and you, you know, you have the, I forgot what the black, uh, card is called trove, trove of Tempt. that's the red one whatever it but, is whatever but uh you know a card like bonte's last reckoning yeah which is oh, prohibitive to cat play right like yeah. uh, oh but suddenly if you're getting treasure and you can have like some room to still do something else on your opponent's turn or on your on your next turn with suddenly treasure mana well like imagine maybe, that maybe it just opens up some cards that we're not playing the black with. one really literally has the text Gain a treasure for every time a creature dies, yeah, right? Yeah. So like So pay three. Like wrath you, gain a bunch of treasure. Like if you don't stop me, I win the game. Yeah. Right? Like that's it's it's really different than how people are thinking about play. It's not intuitive. But if you said if you said before right, this is the deck we need to we need to build this black this black red treasure deck. I think it'd be the problem is I think this deck's horrendous against like blue white. That's okay. But like against just creatures, it's we're probably just gonna, we're just gonna duress them until until they can't until we're out of duress. Until they have to top deck an approach with the second son yeah. and then yeah. top deck it again. Yeah, but then you can just play Lost Legacy against them in games two or three. You could. And they're gonna have their caracals and stuff against you. I mean, whatever. Uh, great. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna game three treasures. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, so red, red cards that uh, you really like. You like the Willy, the Wily Goblin. Wait, do you gain treasure? Or you only gain life. On the black one, you have to look it up because I now I'm I'm self conscious. I don't think, I think. I, I know you know what I mean. You make me. You just let me struggle through that whole city. I think if you gain treasure, it's dumb. But it's a, it depends, right? It super depends on, um, on uh, what the context is. You don't look like you're gaining any pictures. I'm not at the moment, but I can still figure out what the... I don't remember what the card's name was. You'll, you'll remember when you get there. Like, it's not Queen's Agent, for example. Correct. Revel and Riches. There it is. We're about to find out. 
Yeah, whenever you a creature, whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, create a colorless treasure. Yeah, token. this is really dumb. Yeah, that's just a powerful capability. Yeah. Like you said, like this with sweepers, point removal, Bonzu's last reckoning. Like maybe Trove of Temptation's a real card. Like Trove of you Temptation. Also get, you also get to play contract killing if you wanted to. But think which is about, expensive, but gets you three treasure. But, but think about Trove of Temptation, Revelin Riches. Gifted Aetherborn or any large blocker. Right. right? Every, they keep sending a guy in, you block, kill it, and get a treasure. Like, that's literally just net two treasures a turn now. Right. Right? Like, that's that's really so not horrible. If you have a card that says, if I have a sufficient number of treasure in play, I win the game in a non interactive fashion. Like, all right. I'm is, building it. Will it be good? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> so Lightning Strike's your favorite uh, red card. I like Lightning Strike, Rowdy Crew, Captain Lannery Storm. I mean, I think red's way better than most of the other colors. Yeah. Um, even even only as like, and that the there's the the instant speed wrath for two. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. That one's pretty good. Um, uh, I I think that the the. R1, 2-1, Haste Guy. It's probably nice playable. Uh, in the right context, again. Sure. Um, I think that the five, the Monstrosaur is probably playable. I think that card is... I, I think that card is definitely And playable. the three-casting cost, 3-3, three, three, Skullcrack Guy is probably insane. Like, I just... It's just not the kind of card that you're used to wanting to play. So right. you're like, oh... I mean, are we past the point of, like, where a Gnarled Mass is playable in modern let's say sure but it's got some i mean like it's got a lot of it's got a lot of life text. is a hell of a lot of text yeah. right like that and, and menaces menace ain't no is, is ain't not, no not thing all right that so was red. red so top eight magic brandon brandon marshall michael j flores anything else you want to add yeah do you want to talk about media for a second we usually talk about tv or something sure so i rather than talking about television or movies Although I've seen some movies recently, for example, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. I haven't seen it yet. Did you like the first Kingsman? I did. I enjoy it. I think I might like the second one better. Okay. Uh, it only has like a 51 on Rotten Tomatoes. I think like, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Like, uh, they milk the anal sex joke from the first Kingsman kind of a lot to me. Okay. Right? Like, you know, that, that joke is so out of place in the rest of the movie, you know? Yeah. But then like, they really milk it in the second movie because I think it's like very self-aware. There's some stuff that's too kitschy. But at the same time, I like. I found it to be a really charming movie. You, and I you liked also it. like a Malar verse. You've been known to. I mean, I think Kickass is yeah. Kickass is one of like my actually Kickass and Stardust both, which are both Matthew Vaughn movies, are yeah. probably both in my yeah. top ten favorite movies of all time. I love Stardust, uh, which is but that's a that's a game and not a Malar. Um, yeah. But I love Kickass also. Yeah. It's probably also one of my favorite movies. Uh, I don't like either of the. I don't like any of the Kings movies yeah. nearly as much as those. But I do like it a lot. I thought it was good. But that's not what I want to talk about. What I really wanted to talk about is we have something that very few other people have. You have the 10th copy in existence. I have the 9th copy in existence. <laughs> of, Are you sure? Yeah. You but they're numbered. Oh. Yours is addressed to I, you. Oh, Mine is addressed to me. You have the 10th copy. Um, I have the 9th copy in existence of millions that will be in existence. Uh, upcoming number one New York Times bestselling book it will be a number one new york times bestseller in two months i literally can't wait to read this i already i've read the first 70 pages they were good so the book we're talking about is the new brandon sanderson book um and when we're done reading it 
We'll probably talk about it. It's awesome. And maybe we can trick Brandon into being on the podcast. <laughs> but what do you think the chances of that are? I think are? the chances are pretty good. You're going to have to talk about Commander, though, Mike. Um, I can just, like, you know... Step away. Step away while you guys talk about coffee. I'll go get a coffee. You guys talk about Commander. I'll come back and talk about how much I love magical systems. (laughs) Like, you know, he's so good at fight scenes. Oh my god. Yeah. He's, he's a. This is a morbid thing to say, but I often say, I don't care if George R. R. Martin dies before he finishes Game of Thrones. Brandon will just ghostwrite the last book, and it will be even better (laughs) than if he wrote it. Because that's what Brandon did with Robert Jordan, right? Sure. People don't necessarily know this. Robert Jordan died before completing Wheel of Time. And if you read, like, the last three, I think, Wheel of Time books, they were actually written by Brandon, and he did a great Robert Jordan impression. Handpicked by Robert Jordan's widow. Yeah. So, I mean, look, he didn't didn't write like Brandon Sanderson. He wrote like Robert Jordan, and he did a great job. And, you know, I... I think you know. I never read the Wheel of Time books. Yeah, really. I've never, I've never read them because at the time where I was ready to take on a yeah. big fantasy series, people said, "Listen, he's never going to finish them. Don't read them. Read these Game of Thrones books." Oh boy, man. <laughs> so I can tell you this: the Wheel of Time books, like the first three, four. I mean, there are a hundred of them, right? The first, they're incredibly long. The first three or four are so fast you get through it and he's he's just like brandon on this series just like game of thrones enormous cast so complicated but just a great you're like you're emotionally invested in the characters everything then you get to like five it gets a little plotting right and i think that that maybe it's just like you have you have so much text but the thing is that brandon comes in and he just he just like it's like everything is new again, and it's like oh, we're getting through this, and it's gonna be good, and I'm gonna make it good, and it's gonna finish strong. The, fu- the funny thing is, I, th- I think that really does come down to Brandon's writing thing about architects versus gardeners. Yeah, because he's so such an architect. He's so like plots and figures everything out, and you know, create. All right, this is where this is where it starts. This is what it's building to. This is where it's gonna end. Yeah. This is how everything works. This is the magical system. This is. Yeah. You know, he just. He lays down, you know... Oh, he knows where it's going to be. Yeah, he knows where everything's going. He knows where the pipes are going that, you know, need to run underneath it, you know. But Martin gets lost in his own and, world. And, like, all these... Right. And other people are doing something that's, you know, it's big. I Believe me, I know. I'm I'm much more, when I'm creating stuff, much more a gardener than an architect. Yeah. You know? And it's like, there's that just like... And things tend to sort of sprawl away from me because you're like, oh, that's so cool. I didn't know this about my world. I didn't know... Th- oh, my God, yeah. these characters do this. But Brandon couldn't possibly write six novels of a year. <laughs> he was writing like this. The dude is a machine. He wrote two Mistborn novels last year. Like, he is a machine. And they're good. That's the thing. I'm just like, certainly you couldn't write two Mistborn novels in one year and have them be readable. No, they're not readable. They're actually good. <laughs> What's your favorite Brandon Sanderson book? Do you... uh, honestly, it's... Uh, I didn't is it think Steelheart? It was... No, it's not Steelheart. I like Steelheart. But Steel... Steelheart, I think, a little more... Uh, aims a little younger. Yeah. Um... I think it might be Way of Kings. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Words of Radiance, which is the second Way of Kings, is my is my runner-up. Yeah. I love Way of Kings and Words of Radiance, so this is the one we've got. It's a secret-ish. Not really. <laughs> is uh, is the third in that series. So this He said this is going to be like 12 books long. It's his Wheel of Time. He's not going to not write his Redditors and Mistborn and everything else while he's writing this one. Because apparently he had time between this, between Words of Radiance and this one to write two Mistborn novels, which is insane to me. And I think he wrote at least one Reckoner's novel in the same time period, right? And he got all the books out in like a three-year period, right? So 
it's not just that. So I, Words of Radiance is my second favorite. I'm a, I don't know, Wave Kings is really good. They're really good. Yeah. But Bella and I were actually talking about this. My favorite is Firefight, which is the second in the Reckoner series. It's the sequel to Steelheart. Okay. I, I think... Which, which aims younger, but I think Firefight is such I'm a... I'm not saying that even as a Christmas. I love young adults. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, in terms of, for, for me, something to be my personal favorite. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but the range, right? So he's yeah. writing this, like, here's these superhero books that are aimed at 12-year-olds. Here's this, like... 3,000-page epic, you know, Robert Jordan-esque, uh, you know, epic fantasy that's aimed at people who can speak six languages, right? Like, that, he's, like, one writer, like, writes them both. Like, it's, it's a rare talent. But anyway, I'm very excited. You can, uh, you're going to Worlds this weekend. I am. I'm going to Worlds. So. I will probably have some time to read some pages of this. Oh. When, when next. I always find something what's happening with with uh, these books is I I'll, I'll stall on the first hundred pages not not for any it's just like there's so, it's like I'm so daunted yeah by the length of the book that I'll start and I'm like ah oh. and I put it down and like I did that with Way of Kings for like a year oh yeah I did that for a year and I was like I'd get in and I'd be like all right and then I'd be like all right I got to start over again and then I'm like oh but I've read the oh I don't want oh, just, the book's too long I got to put it down and then I just get past some like critical point like a hundred pages. And then I can't put it down until I'm done. Way of Kings. I, I was like that with some Robert Jordan books. I like, I can't. I think like I think I've read the first no, hundred pages is, of. This is just merely my commitment. Yeah. Like, I watch a lot of TV, and I play a lot of Magic Online, and I watch a lot of movies, and so like, it's. I am ashamed to say it's really eroded. Your reading. My reading. Yeah. And uh, so like so like for for a super long book, it's it, it's daunting. I have a shorter commute than I used to, so like my door-to-door yeah. is like 30 minutes now, most of which is not on the train, yeah. and most of which is actually on foot. My door-to-door is from my office to my bathroom, and then yeah. my bathroom so back to my office. When I had like an hour commute, like every, always, like I had way more reading time, right? Yeah. So that's actually different for me. So finding that reading time versus like a daily reading time is different for me because my commute is shorter. Um, but I, I'll just tell you this, I have a strong love of audiobooks, so... I just went through um, uh, Wise Man's Fear and Name of the Wind again on oh, audiobook. Wow. Who read them? Uh, some reader, person? Okay. some person who wasn't Pathographist. Okay. But like, it was like I because like those books are so dense and long, and it had been you know probably six years since I'd read one because Patrick Rothfuss has decided he was going to be George R. R. Martin and yeah, not yeah. come out with. It's not like he has seven more books. Yes, right. He has one more book in the trilogy. And it's been six years that he hasn't gotten the next, next one out. Yeah. But he's literally George R. R. Martin does and written like, oh, here's a short story that takes place in the same universe. Yeah. Uh, when Slow Regard of Silent, Silent Things was announced, uh, Taya Steele, like, like, I am, she's like, oh my God, oh my God, check this out. I check the link and I'm like, this is a short story that takes place in the universe, not the sequel. You know, not the, not the completion of the King Killer's Chronicle. She's like, oh. Still gonna read it, yeah. <laughs> you know. But still, you know, yeah, he's just done that to us. Nope, not Brandon. He can yeah. put out. Oh, he's a machine. Two Mistborn books in between these. Between these, it's it's, it's crazy. I'm behind, I'm behind on my, I'm behind on Mistborn. I need to catch up. Oh man, everyone's. Tried to, I was talking to Bella. She's behind by one, right? So she's read the first two Wax and Wayne, but not the most recent one. So I'm like trying to talk to her, you know, about like the bands of mourning and stuff. She's like, Yo, dude. <laughs> I'm 13. <laughs> Why are you talking to me? I don't talk to my dad. We're not friends. <laughs> I'm like, Bella, check out this new Brandon Sanderson book I got. She's like, yo, 
That's cool. <laughs> I'm gonna go snap that. She's like, maybe we could be friends. <laughs> yeah. Until I finish reading the book. All right. Um, TV, by the way. Yeah. The Deuce is the best thing on TV. I have not watched even one episode yet. It's great. It's David Simon and George Pelicanos who were the executive, you know, the story editor and the creator of The Wire. Yeah. Uh, who are both the co-creators of this, along with Richard Price, who contributed a lot to The Wire. All Richard Price and George Pelicanos are two of my favorite crime writers of all time. Yep. Show set in 1971, seedy-ass Times Square. Yeah. Uh, it is terrific. If you're like jonesing for a replacement for The Wire, this is right there. I heard it was the best thing on TV. It's right there. It is. I heard it from you. Yeah. <laughs> Just now. It's, it's, it's great. I binged all of it's Preacher great. Season 2 last week. Okay. Uh, I'm still behind on Preacher. I am two episodes into Season 2 of The Good Place. Oh, yeah. I just watched the second episode of that. Uh, I like the twists. I do too. I, I can't say, oh my god, it's impossible to talk about The Good Place you just, because I you're just, just going to destroy people. I just don't talk about it, yeah. Just watch it. Kristen Bell is the best. Are you watching, are you watching Gotham? I've, I've seen three episodes of Gotham Lifetime. You know this about me. I think someday I'm going to sit down and watch it all. But, like, you're so you're so I know. invested in where Gotham is right now. I am. So, oh, I'll tell you this. You're familiar with DC Rebirth, right? Like, yeah. the most recent, like, after New 52. Yeah. The first Batman arc, which is written by Tom King, is called I Am Gotham. I finished reading it, I don't know, however many months. When was your birthday? March? Yeah. I finished reading it in March, okay? I put it down, and I said, this is the best Batman story I've ever read. Then I paused for a second, and I said, wait a second. I've read Dark Knight Returns, Killing Joke, and Year One, as well as, you know, I rattled in my head three other Batman stories. I was just like, this is not the best Batman story I've ever read, but damn, is this good. Yeah. Right? It's so good, right? Uh, and then I almost bought it for you. So one night, so I went, because you were like, I think it was you were having your birthday celebration in the East Village. I went to St. Mark's Comics. It was the night of your birthday celebration. Yeah. I'm like, give me a copy of I Am Gotham. I'm paying retail for it. They're like, we don't have any copies. And I was so mad. I not only didn't so buy it, didn't I didn't even go. I didn't even go to your birthday. Like, I was just like, I was gonna buy this for my friend and give it to him, and he's two blocks from here. Screw everything. And I just went home. <laughs> but it's so good. Um, I just had to say on Comicsology, the mo the two more recent ones came out, uh, which are I Am Suicide and I Am Bane. Okay. And well, I've heard I, people talking about that. I think that Tom King understands the character of Batman like no writer ever. Okay. And I mean, like, it's hard because you're just like, oh, I'm gonna, like, it's just a thing. You're just like, oh, I have to pay tribute to Frank Miller and Dave Mazzucchelli and Alan fucking Moore, right? Like, this can't possibly be as good. I, it's This is me talking right now. <laughs> this is like heresy that I would say something is better than The Killing Joke, right? To me, like my religion of comic books, yeah. right? He is such a perfect Batman writer. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Like, he understands the human limitations of Batman. So if Batman has to stop, if Batman has to stop a plane from crashing into a building, okay, which is, which is the initial plot of I Am Gotham, which is the first one he does. Yeah. He does it in a thoroughly, like, Nolan Batman way, right? Like, right, yeah. he doesn't have a rocket ship. Right. Doesn't have, like, a Kryptonian best friend to solve this problem. He's just like, oh, I'm calling the League or whatever. Like, oh, shoot, everyone's off planet. I got to do this myself. Like, 
it's just as perfect execution. If Nolan's Batman had to stop a plane from hitting a building, right? This is how he would do it. He's so, I think Tom King was in the army or something, or like, he was like a special forces guy yeah. or something. So he understands. He's in intelligence, wasn't he? Maybe, but he understands how like a really good human soldier with like good resources right. would solve this problem. And like, so you're like, oh wow, this is pretty cool. But then he also, like, I couldn't believe, I, there's almost no way to talk about this. I don't want to spoil any of the elements okay. of the other ones, but he can pay homage to both like the 1939 first appearance of Catwoman and uh, Batman Year One, where they're meeting, you know, where they yeah. meet, and she's like a street prostitute, right? right Batman yeah. Year One. And like the pivotal scenes in The Killing Joke, all at the same time. And he's got, he's got Michael Jannon as his artist. Do you know who that is? From I do not know who that is. Justice League Dark. He is okay. so good. Like, he's just like this, one of these arc of like artists are like, where were these guys like the first 30 years of my life? Yeah. He's so unbelievably good, Michael Jannon. And like, uh, it, it's, it's, he's such a perfect Batman writer. Like people are like, man, Scott Snyder is a great Batman writer, right? You know, Scott yeah, Snyder's still, him, right? yeah, he's still writing all-star Batman, right? And Scott Snyder's writing, but Scott Snyder writes like this big, like what if Batman's fighting the Justice League, right? So right. he like, like Val and I were talking about this, like in this arc where second to last arc that Snyder writes, he has like this Justice Buster armor that his right hand gauntlet has like four miniaturized red suns in it. <laughs> he punches Superman with four miniaturized red suns. Like this is not the same Batman. Right. That Tom King is writing, like, he's like, all right, I'm going to drive the Batmobile off a bridge at a certain speed, right? Like, Alfred, you need to tell me what arc I need to, like, to, like have them pull the drawbridge at. So that if I burn the afterthrusters on this, I can, like, jump out with my parachute to land on the plane. You know, like, he's just, he's just, like, such a human Batman, but he's, like, a perfect human Batman, right? right. Like, not... Not like Maybe look at them. Look at that's them. always that's always been like a philosophy of the Batman books is to have each like Batman title represent a different yeah, kind like, of take on Batman. Well, I mean, I think Grant Morrison did a great job. Where Grant Morrison mostly wrote a human Batman. He where he just said he's the most competent man in the world. That's how we're going to define him. But he's nothing more than the most competent man in the world. Uh, but then, like, sometimes he has a big prize. He just, like, goes to the cave. He's just like, Alfred, open the science fiction closet. <laughs> and, like, he opens the science fiction closet. And there's, like, apocalyptic dark armor that he stole from Darkseid in there. He's just like, right. got to put on the armor. You know, fire up the rocket ship, right? <laughs> but he just doesn't use this on a Tuesday. Yeah. You know, so I kind of like that concept. But what happens to Snyder did at the end is um, he, at the end of his arc before Tom King took over, but he then they just give Snyder a different book, right? He's like... He, he, the current Batman is the best Batman ever. He just has, like, a new body, like, who's, like, kind of a reinvigorated body. Like, the okay. story's, like, he basically got, like, Lazarus pitted. So he's, like, he has, like, he has none of the, none of the aches and pains of, uh, of, uh... Old Bruce Wayne? Yeah, like, because, you know, Bruce has basically been depicted as being, like, early 40s. Yeah. And he's carrying, like... Like, Nolan's Batman is Batman, right? Yeah. Like, he doesn't have one of his knees. Like, he just has such gritted training and stuff that he fights through the fact he doesn't have one of his knees. He's just, like, covered in scars. Like, yeah. all, all, you know, but he's just, like, this really competent person. He just pushes through it, and he covers up a lot of his problems by having a lot of money or, you know, distracting some, you know, whatever. But so he just, he gets Lazarus fitted, so he's just, like, his, his he has, like, he still has, like, a, you know, like, uh, 
a human body, but like it doesn't have any of those wears right. and tears. But he has all of his knowledge. All of his knowledge and experience. And, and muscle like, memory. And, and yeah, but and he's five years younger. So the thing that I don't know if you know this, the, the way that I'm sure Alan Moore is, if he were dead, he'd be rolling over in his grave. That the whole concept of New 52 and Rebirth is that Dr. Manhattan stole five years from the DC universe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So people hate this idea, right? Yeah. I, I maybe, I maybe I'll end up loving it. But the dude wrote work for hire, so I don't, I don't know what you're going to say about this. So, yeah, so Dr. Manhattan stole five years from the DC. So he's also five years younger. So he's, like, only, like, 38 instead of, like, 43 or something. And uh, they actually tell you how old he is, which I thought was pretty cool. So I was like, I started being Batman at 25. I've been doing this for X number of years. So... And then you just do the math. You're like, oh, that would make Dick this old. You know, it's kind of right, cool. Right, right. I think like kind of Easter eggy. But so, Tom King's Batman is actually a better Batman than anywhere ever had before. He's five years younger than Bruce has typically been depicted. Doesn't have any of his injuries, but he has all of his knowledge. It's cool. I like that. Yeah. I think that's a cool concept. Yeah. So, um, so he has like both of his knees basically. He doesn't have any like scar <laughs> tissue in his back. He's got two knees. To yeah. Stand so. Uh, but like I said, that's an arrow. Like you can't jump from rooftop to rooftop every night and expect your knees to hold up. <laughs> But you're, you're keeping me from reading my book. All right, goodbye. I'm gonna go. Someday we'll we'll meet again and do green. Or you can get Roman to do green with you again. I don't know. Maybe. 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 Well, I guess you'll have to listen and find out, dear Canadians. <laughs>